The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk, brought to you by Skynet. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. It's the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. Let's have a bit of tech talk. I love the world of technology. I would consider myself to be moderately informed. It's something I follow extensively every single day. I'm looking for tech news. I'm all into my phone. I'm all into my smart TV at home. I'm all into improving my life. But with greater technology comes greater responsibility, as they say. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything. I need a little help every now and then. I saw some really, I wouldn't say distressing news, but concerning news. Edward Snowden, and he needs no introduction. Edward Snowden has a new app. Forget this. Security, data security, private security. And I said, okay, this is this is above my pay grade, pun intended. So let me bring on someone who could probably help me with this and other technology issues. I want to introduce you to E.J. Hilbert. He's a former FBI cybercrimes agent and presently the VP Cybersecurity Division of Gavin DeBecker and Associates. GDBA provides risk mitigation services to private individuals, their families, and family offices. EJ, it's nice to speak to you. How are you this afternoon? Pleasure to speak with you all as well. How are you? I I am actually concerned when I see news (laughs) that Edward Snowden, talk about consider the source, not that he wouldn't know his stuff. Let me be clear. I don't question his knowledge. I question the motivation, the timing, and the end game. I don't believe he has my best interests at heart. Am I fair in that assessment? Well, you know, I'm not a fan of Edward Snowden by any means. Um, I I disagree with a great deal of what he did. But what's unique about this app is it's not, though Edward Snowden's name is on it, it's primarily from The Guardian and from the, uh, the Freedom of the Press Foundation who have put it out. And it's really about... Um, physical security around your devices um, and, and the uh, around the actual phone itself. So the simple fact is, you know, I can't hack your iPhone. Uh, we saw that in the in the, um, the San, Bernardino. Uh, San Bernardino. Yeah, we, it's it's nearly impossible to hack the iPhone, and um, to some extent, um, it's getting better and better in terms of protecting your Android type devices. But one of the things that can happen is if I can get physical contact with it, I can put things in it. I can make things happen, and, and it's the same thing on any system. Uh, if I can get uh, physical contact with your computer, with your phone, with your various different devices, I can change them. A um, couple weeks or a couple months ago, there was the discussion about your because you mentioned your your smart TV. There was a discussion about the. Um, I want to say the Samsung TV that we could uh, could be turned into a recording device, mm-hmm. uh, and it would listen to everything you were doing. But you had to have physical contact with it. Somebody had to come in, actually physically turn it on and so on. So with regards to Haven, this app that, that Mr. Uh, Snowden is pushing that's been developed by a bunch of other individuals, it's really around the idea of utilizing the technology that's in the phone to turn it into a surveillance system. It will turn on the camera, it will um, identify movement, it will record noises, it will. It even uses the accelerometer that tells you how fast you're actually going to tell you if somebody's moved something. And it's really around the idea that um, 
it's a low-cost kind of uh, personal cyber surveillance system that you can put into play. Now, why is he, he backing it? So that you can find a new way, and he actually even says it in the video, you have a new way to spy on the authorities mm-hmm. when they are, quote, doing a crackdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I knew there was so some that, angle here. <laughs> he even says that so when law enforcement decides that they're going to, quote, do a crackdown on something, the officers or agents have to think about, can I do this without being seen? And whichever side of the spectrum you fall on and being former law enforcement and despite what you hear in the news you know 99 percent of the people that are law enforcement are doing it for the right reason they're doing it under legal regards they're doing it because the law says they can do it so the idea that you have to create a a special little way to monitor whether or not law enforcement is doing it the right way or or so that you can spy on law enforcement i personally have a big problem with that is this groundbreaking technology or is it just more of of a gimmick in the sense that it's just affordable? Is there anything really special about this app from what you've seen? What's special about it is it's different uses. Um, for a long time, there's been a discussion. I'm going to use a different app as an example. Um, if you, you had a kid who was driving and you didn't want them to text while they were driving, there's been a bunch of groups that have put out apps that try to use the accelerometer in the phone to identify when you were speeding or going beyond a certain speed limit, and therefore you wouldn't be able to text. Uh, it exists in Apple's devices now, but it didn't for a number of years. And one of the big issues, oh, what if I'm on a train or I'm a bus or whatever and you're turning it off? This idea of using a piece of technology that was designed for one thing um, and using it for something different is what's novel or unique about this. Using a using the accelerometer to tell whether or not the phone was actually moved. Using the microphone for communications for phone and so on to actually record things um, because somebody happened to go by and you don't know that it's doing it. In other words, secretly recording. Um, to to uh, trigger the camera or the light sensor to automatically come on when it, it uh, identifies some kind of motion or movement. That's what's unique about this technology. Um, it's been, there's been other groups that have utilized this in different ways, but for Mr. Snowden and this team of uh, individuals to come out and say this this way, it makes it unique. And I guarantee you'll find a great number of, um, we'll call them investigative journalists, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. who will probably put this on their phones out of concern that somebody's messing with their stuff. I want to go back to something that you said, EJ, regarding the smart TV, Samsung. We remember the story about how it can be used to spy on us, our own gadgets, TV specifically. I'm a person. I'm an Android user. I use the Google Assistant, and I know many people use Siri. And for many devices, that means leaving the microphone on so it can listen for ambient noise for the command, the, the, the activating command. How concerned should I be about those assistants that information it gathers being used against us or being used as a portal to have our devices used against us? Well, I mean, this is the big, you know, the the machines are going to take over the world because they hear everything and they know what we're thinking uh, concern. Um, People need to recognize, and this is a big concern, why are these devices, why are these Uh, collection methodologies, such a big deal. Um, 
I mean, they're collecting information about you, and they're collecting information that sometimes you don't realize they have about you. And a large portion of this is, is for targeting in terms of advertisement and so on. But that same information can be misused if it is not protected the right way. If I needed to know something, um, let's say that there was, and this is this. I know there's an actual case about this. One of these always-on devices hearing whether or not a murder takes place in a house. Right. You may not know that it's recording something of that nature. Or more importantly, what about taking it less graphic from a murder, but maybe somebody's cheating uh, on their taxes or on their uh, spouse or at their businesses or on their spouse, and they're talking about it openly. And down the road, somebody gets access to this information, not legally, not through a, a court order or something, um, and decides to use it against you. Um, you know, and that, those are those are real concerns. And when you're talking about the Internet of Things, where everything is, is connected to the Internet and has the ability to collect information and, and broadcast that information to a third party who is going to store it, um, they may only use a small bit of that information, but they're still going to store it because they, they might need it someday. Um, and somebody gets in there and gets access to that and can see that, you've got a problem there. Um, one thing that people don't recognize, I mean, I, I used to be in charge of security over at MySpace before, before Facebook was big and everything, and this was post-FBI. And my staff had the ability to see everything that was being placed on somebody's profile. Everything, <gasps> every private message, what? everything. That's the same case now. You know, and if you don't believe that, look at what ended up happening with that young man who quit uh, Twitter, yep. quote, accidentally deleted President Trump's account. Right. They have that level of account. So what happens if one of those individuals decides to take some of that information home with them? Uh, what happens if that one individual realizes, oh, here's a great opportunity for me to showcase to my friends how great a big guy I am, not really realizing that one of those friends is going to misuse that information? Um we just got to be cognizant of it. It's you know, you know, why is it on? Why is it recording? And why why is that? You know, what could somebody use that information for? And unfortunately, we'd like to think that people are good and that they're not going to use it. I don't. I don't. I don't give people the benefit of that. I assume the worst of people and cats. People and cats. Yeah. Cats. I, I agree with you on cats right off the bat automatically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as my two dogs are at my feet. Yes. But. Uh, <laughs> But the, the simple fact is, you know, you got to recognize my job for the last 20-plus you know, years now is to think like a bad guy. So everything I look at, everything I see, everything I do is around how could a bad guy manipulate this? How could they abuse it? And unfortunately, so much of what we do is rushed into the market without security or any realization put in it for that, for that perspective that we like, oh, it's the coolest thing. Let me go and do this. And we forget where it's being recorded or where it's being stored or what happens if somebody else gets a hold of that information. You know, at EJ, you made some great points. And if you're just tuning in, I'm speaking to EJ Hilbert, who's VP of Cybersecurity Division of Gavin DeBecker and Associates, former FBI cybercrimes agent, and also Joey, who's producing the, sh producing the shows today, uh, his old boss. EJ, you said two things which I think were very, very poignant. It almost sounds like you're saying the Jurassic Park issue where it's not whether we can but whether we should that's the first thing and also 
the idea of privacy is completely an illusion. Would you agree with that? I would agree completely. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I just uh, Christmas uh, with some family friends and, and family members from around the world are, uh, have descended on my house. And this was one of the discussions that came up, particularly with the younger groups. And I'm 48, so I'm a dinosaur in this world, but this is what I do. As am I. Right, uh, 48. <laughs> but the the you have a great number of people, particularly your millennials, screaming about privacy. Oh, you can't do this, and you can't collect that, and you shouldn't be able to see this. Yet they're willing to give it away for free. Um, and they post it online every single day. And the other side of it is, given the breaches that have occurred, the cyber breaches that have occurred in the last, say, 10 years, if you are an adult in the United States who's bought anything on credit in the last 10 years, your information has been taken. It's out there. Now, whether or not it's being used is a different story, but that information has been taken, and it is it is in somebody else's hands other than the people that you thought it should be in. Um, and, and Happy holidays! <laughs> exactly, you know, and, and to your other point of... For a long time, and you're starting to see the ethics of, of uh, tech come into play a great deal, but there's a lot of discussions of the ethics behind tech. Do we collect everything? Because someday we may need it and it may benefit people. That's the idea of big data. Or do we collect only what we need? And I'll, I'll give you an example that people should pay attention to. Let's say you get an app, and it says you could sign in through your Facebook account or your LinkedIn or your Twitter account. And rather than type in a username and password or an email address and password, you just go ahead and click OK for one of those. Yeah, I'm lazy like that. I'm, I'm one of them. On that? Yeah, I'm one of them. Do you ever read what it says that it's allowed to do once you click that? Yeah, I know. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. If you click on half of these, they will say you can read everything in your Twitter account and tweet for you. It can actually post tweets in your name for their product or for whatever it may be. Um, now, look, the company's doing it saying, yeah, you know, here's a free advertising opportunity, and you agreed to it. But from, the, from a realistic perspective, maybe you should pay attention to that a little bit more. Um, look at what's, who you're giving access to, particularly depending on what you say on Twitter or on Facebook, not just in the public forums but in those private forums, because some of these can read your private messages as well. I always assume that every conversation I have on social media, be it in direct message or whatever, is public. And yep. that's what I do to keep myself out of trouble. I'm not going to say anything anywhere to anyone under any circumstances that I would be worried about if it were read publicly on the air. I have to assume that people are reading all of my messages. And so and also working in media, I have to deal with social media and all these other apps. And they ask for permissions that intellectually I'm not comfortable with. Right. But I understand professionally why I have to do it. And those, that's the give and take of it all. Let me switch gears sl slightly because Bitcoin has been in the news a lot yep. as of late for what I would term as volatility of mm -hmm. this currency, this cryptocurrency, which is not regulated by the federal government. I understand a little bit about Bitcoin, but I don't understand. I don't think everyone listening understands what Bitcoin is or how it's being used today, if you could wow. very quickly. <laughs> uh, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, which means that it's based off a, of a series of basically data. Um, it has no real value. 
Uh, we've just decided at one point in time that it was made up and, hey, this is going to be worth X amount of dollars because people have to utilize computer systems and spend money in order to crack the encryption to get them a Bitcoin. Okay, so you uh, got to work for it, basically. Yeah. Well, think about it. It's like playing a video. If you're a video game player or your kids are a video game player or something of that nature, they got to go out and they got to complete quest X, Y, Z. And if they do, they get X amount of gold. That's what Bitcoin is. They you complete the quest, which is cracking it through computer encryption, and you get this coin. And then all of a sudden it became interesting because I have one and you don't. And it's moving around. Now, in terms of issues related to it, Bitcoin became a large portion of Bitcoin came into it because of the underground market. People who didn't want, did not want to transfer cash back and forth, uh, so they started utilizing Bitcoin, and then their people would start cashing out Bitcoin and taking their percentage off the top. Now it's become so mainstream, and you have so many groups, including the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, I believe it is, that's trading on its futures, that those people that originally had this are making billions um, you said billions with a B? Yeah, billions with a B. I mean, I'll be honest. When I One of my last cases with the FBI, we actually seized some computers that had just started Bitcoin mining. So literally there are computers sitting in the FBI vaults uh, and evidence lockers that have Bitcoin on them. So one Bitcoin or hundreds or thousands at the time, now we're talking about $20,000 per Bitcoin. And if you've got organized groups um, that are putting this stuff together, that are collecting it, um, it's a market that can be easily manipulated because the volatility, the exchange of people doing this, you, me, Joey, a bunch of other guys, we all get together. We just share our Bitcoins amongst ourselves, and the exchanges are watching these transactions. Oh, look how many people are in on this, da-da-da-da-da. And you have 10 wallets, and I have 10 wallets. Guess what? When, a, when you're doing it from an analytics perspective on the outside, that value goes through the roof. And now everybody wants in on it, and they think they're going to make money. And not regulated um, by the government, correct? Not regulated by the government. Now, uniquely, today, South Korea came out with a rule that said that if you are going to buy or exchange in Bitcoin, you must do it in your real name. So your real name must be associated with your wallet. Now, I don't know how they're going to enforce that, yeah. but that's a new <laughs> law in South Korea. So... Um, but yeah, any of these, it's not just Bitcoin. You got Ethereum, you got Litecoin, you got, uh, what is it, Argentina's new version, the Pedro, I think right. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got lots of different, and you have companies offering these coins in the form of what's called ICOs, initial coin offerings, when they're trying to collect money from uh, people to build up their, so they can spend it. Instead of selling stock, they sell tokens or a type of coin. Um, it's a, it's going to be a unique couple of years here with regards to this as people get uh, involved in and removed from it, and particularly when countries try to t- find a way to tax it. You know, how, how are we going to tax uh, an unregulated um, currency exchange that does not uh, or is not currently tied to anybody's real name or any kind of identifying information? Yeah, because the government always has, always has to get its cut. They got to get their cut. You know, hey, if I didn't, they wouldn't have paid me when I was with the bureau. Right. <laughs> EJ, before I let you, be there. EJ, before I let you, I got about a couple more minutes. I'm curious, yeah. and not to get political, but I wonder about the political implications. Of, I'll say our election process, given all of this, the discussion about Russia, and we wonder about what's going on in Alabama, where you have Roy Moore, who has alleged uh, voter fraud. 
as we move yeah. forward in terms of our elections, how can we ensure the integrity of our elections, given the prospect of cyber crime and how we do have uh, uh, electronic balloting and voting? You know, in my opinion, the bigger issue is not going to be around the the manipulation of the electronic ballots or the voting. Um, I know that that DEFCON, which is a hacking convention that takes place every year out in out in um, Vegas, that there was a, a opportunity to hack into voting machines. But what, what what was unique about that was the fact that there were so many, and that they were never all interconnected and they never all fed to the same place. So if you're a third party trying to manipulate an election, um, you're going to have to take over all of those. And as long as we have competition in the voting machine space uh, where they are forced to put security into place, that's a minimal play in my, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong, there'll be an, uh, an attempt, but it's a minimal play. The bigger one is exactly what we saw happen in, in, um, in the most recent election, and leaving out whichever side of the ballot you fall on, because the game was played against both sides. It's the manipulation of people through through social media, through cyber methodology, to get you to believe a certain way or not to believe a, a certain way. Um, because there is no... There's no real body behind half the stuff that you're seeing online. And I'll reference back again to, to the MySpace days because it'll help people understand. When I joined on to MySpace and when Joey was working for me, we were on average deleting 100,000 profiles a day that were made up of people just trying to manipulate other people. Catfishers. Um, spammer profiles and so on. And, and I'll tell you this, if you look at – the paperwork from Facebook, when they talk about it, they do not actually talk about unique individuals. They talk about the number of users that are, are logged into their accounts, mm-hmm. all right? But those aren't people. These are systems and computers and bots, as we use the term. That's where the bigger issue is going to be, that manipulation of humans by this online environment. And when you have founders of social media saying that they are now conscious objectors to it because uh, it's manipulated the mentality of individuals and we don't know what it's doing to our kids and our social lives and so on. Those are the things we really need to focus on. Um, I am I'm actually happy to look and see that, you know, we had a 5% increase of shopping in stores this year during the Christmas season because it meant that people actually got out of their house and went and integrated with other people rather than having everything shipped to your house, everything done online, everything, you know, you talk through your computers and you don't actually see a human's face. So if and from an elections perspective going forward, I really hope that it's about getting people in front of people and not just doing it electronically, because that's where the manipulation comes in play, because it's very easy to take things out of context. Uh, I mean, for years, I served undercover with the FBI, both as a as a terrorist for two years and as a Russian hacker for two years. I could manipulate anybody into believing who I was just by collecting the right information online. And that was in the early 90s. So imagine what we can do nowadays. Incredible. He is E.J. Hilbert. <laughs> VP Cyber Security Division of Gavin DeBecker and Associates. GDBA provides risk mitigation services to private individuals, their families, and family offices. Also, former FBI cyber crimes agent. EJ, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you. Now, if you're open to it, how can people get in touch with you or continue our conversation with you online? Actually, you can find me online at just EJ Hilbert on Twitter. 
that's the easiest way to get in touch with me, just at uh, uh, EJ Hilbert on Twitter. You can also look me up on LinkedIn and so on. I'm there. Uh, I'm not that hard to find. So if there's something that really comes up, I'm glad to help. I'll tell you my big thing is anybody messing with children, any kind of cyberbullying, anything of that nature, hit me up. That's what I will I will come down like a hammer to help you out on that on that situation. That's what you don't do in my world. All right, EJ. We appreciate right, you. you we agree time. with you, and we'll have you on again sometime. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. You got a little, you can use much more. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. It's the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with EJ Hilbert. I know I did. Not only did I enjoy it, I learned a lot from him and about these very, very important issues to both you and me. We use this technology. We're all concerned about our privacy, even though it really is an illusion. But we have to make conscious decisions in terms of what we will be complicit to, what we will be party to, what we will allow, and what we simply will not go along with, but also keeping our eyes open in the process. Keeping our eyes open. Remember yesterday we began the program, or maybe you didn't know, Shame on you if you weren't listening. But yesterday we began the program with that Al Nippon flight from L.A. to Tokyo, which had to turn around after four hours. And I said yesterday, this doesn't smell right. It doesn't smell like it was just some mistake where someone just got on the wrong flight. I said that there's much more to this story. I said I I didn't proclaim to know what it was, but I knew that what we were being told wasn't a true and genuine read of what had happened. For example, the FBI is now involved. That in itself is not unusual, but let me tell you why. The FBI is weighing criminal charges against two brothers who got on this Tokyo-bound flight in Los Angeles, allegedly using a single boarding pass, forcing the plane to turn around mid-flight. Law enforcement sources with knowledge of the situation told ABC that two brothers went through security at LAX with legitimate tickets but were booked on separate flights to Tokyo. One had a ticket on Al Nippon Airways and the other was booked on United. The brothers, who have nearly identical names, were able to board the ANA flight together by apparently using a duplicate boarding pass. Let's stop right there. How is that possible? Every boarding pass is scanned. Every single one. It's not like you just show it and then walk on. And every time that I've seen a boarding pass, which was either duplicate, like it was reprinted out, the old one doesn't work. Or it'll give you some sort of buzz and say not accepted, whatever. But a physically duplicate boarding pass, if it were that easy to trick the system, terrorists would have been doing that long ago. You can't just use a duplicate boarding pass and slip on the plane. I'm calling BS on that. It's unclear, as the story says, how the brother with the United Airlines ticket found a seat on the plane. Their identities have not been revealed. That's another point. If it were just a mistake, their identities would have been revealed. They would have talked to the press, done an interview or something. There's so much more to this story, if only because you and I have been on a plane. Joey's been on a plane. Blake's been on a plane. Monica's been on a plane. They've had snakes on a plane. But every single instance, 
that plane will not taxi back from the gate unless everyone is in their seats. Can we agree on that? So how this plane managed to taxi, get in the air, and then fly for four hours, and then some sort of conversation was had and, and determination was made that this other party was not supposed to be on the plane, I'll have I have no explanation for that. Why did they just fly all the way to Tokyo and then fly that person back? They had to inconvenience everyone on that flight. That's why I think there's far more to this story. And, mm. and it's related to the identities of the brothers, not just there being a mistake or hijinks in the sense of, yeah, I'm supposed to be on this flight, but I want to get there earlier. So I'm going to fly with my brother. Let me just see if I can sneak on. Obviously, there was a seat for him. He wasn't hanging in the aisle. Yeah. He wasn't standing in the back galley. With, with the flight attendants, how did they determine it? There obviously had to have been more to the story. Or there was some sort of, this is just me guessing, there might have been some sort of red flag with that duplicate um, uh, boarding pass. Yeah, and the a- name of, of the legitimate person on that boarding pass might have been a red flag in the system. But to catch it four hours into the flight, and you got to think that while they're boarding, it takes another half hour to get everybody settled yeah. and... And maybe they didn't catch it four hours in the flight, but after four hours, then the decision was made to turn back. There had to have been some sort of communication from the the ground mm-hmm. to the plane to say, hey, you have an unauthorized person on your flight and maybe was not known by flight staff. And so then the decision was made, okay, you have to bring it back because this person may not be who they say they are or it may be on a no-fly list or a watch list or something. Because obviously when the FBI is involved, this is this is not a mistake. This is not a kid getting kicked out of Disneyland, you know, when he was riding a sky gondola. This is something more. I don't know what it is in terms of more, but it's definitely more. And they probably not- communicated to the pilot, John yes. Legend is in danger. We must turn this plane around. Yes, and Chrissy Teigen is live tweeting. <laughs> we have to do something about that. Yeah. Or not. But probably something like that. As we know more, we'll tell you more. In fact, Monica Ricks will probably tell you more in the coming days. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. We have one more segment. And, of course, if you're just tuning in and you don't know me, I'm host of the Mo Kelly Show here on Saturdays and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. on KFI. You can always check me out on my personal website, MrMoKelly.com. That's M-R-M-O-K-E-L-L-Y.com. We just had a great technology discussion with EJ Hilbert in the last segment. We'll probably have that posted at KFIAM640.com in one of our featured segments. So definitely, please do check that out. A lot of great information. KFI-AM640, more stimulating talk. Mo Kelly here sitting in for Gary and Shannon on this Thursday. I hope you enjoyed the fullness of our conversations today. Robust dialogue and debate. Cats, dogs, or I should say dogs. We don't need to have ever, ever address cats again. We're just going to let that go. Just going to let that go. Apple, you know the story. We've been following it all week in regard to... Their acknowledgement that they've been slowing down older Apple iPhones, supposedly because it was good for your old Apple iPhone if they slowed it down. Because after an update, they did not want you to have a ruined iPhone 
and your old battery would not be able to handle the the new operating system. So they purposefully, intentionally throttled your iPhone. They said it was for your good, not to spur you on to buy another iPhone. And then their stock price dropped dramatically when people figured out the truth for themselves, or at least came to their old understanding of the truth. And now Apple has apologized for their iPhone slowdown drama. And they're offering $29 battery replacements for a year. Why couldn't they have just just done that from the beginning? Yes, they did offer battery replacements, but they were $75. And they did not tell you that they were throttling your iPhone. Why is it you have to wait until there's a PR crisis to do the right thing? If you actually care about your customers. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm Android for life. There's nothing that's ever going to get me to switch. And this only just reminds me why I should never even think about switching. These types of decisions made by corporations, especially, especially when they're charging top dollar for you to use their products, buy their products. I would have to believe that you can still chop off two or three hundred dollars off their products and they'll be fine. But you're paying for that Apple name more times than not. Just the name. And it concerns me when you have this type of corporate greed running unchecked and then they get into a corporate crisis situation and ergo, they then feel it's important to be responsive to public sentiment. So Apple has apologized. $29 battery replacements for a year. They're actually going to make money off of throttling your old iPhone. No one asked them to throttle your iPhone. Allegedly, it it would impact performance and your phone may blow up or it would brick or it would shut off, shut down. But they're saying, hey, we're going to do you a favor. We're going to charge you less than we normally would so you can buy another battery as opposed to buying a $1,000 iPhone. No thanks, I would say. And joining me in studio now is the host of Dark Secret Place on Saturdays, Super Hyper Local Sunday on Sundays, Military Mondays, Terrorism Tuesdays, the inimitable. Who do you want to kill Wednesdays? That's the one that we we came up with we never executed. Well, you can in the new year. Uh, That's why I on iPhone. 2017 was a big year for me because I cut the cord. And I was iPhone for 10 years. And therefore, you have to be iTunes. You have to be Apple TV and the whole thing. And I just got tired of not having enough memory. So I cut the cord to a phone where I could put a micro SD card in and, you know, take it out, <clears throat> put another one in. And you can't do that. Functionality doesn't exist with iPhone. And I need it. So I, I undid myself from iPhone. What do you have now? An LG something or other. No, it, no, no, no. Those LGs are great phones. The, the camera on this is crazy. Yeah. Insane camera. And I can take the micro SD card out. And, and put I, it in your next phone. Yeah, and what's crazy about this is I shoot a lot of VR video, 360-degree, you know, live video, uh, and it's an LG camera, and this thing will talk to it. Uh, Apple sticks their nose up in the air, and they say, oh, sorry, you're trying to use an LG camera with an iPhone? I think not. <laughs> no, we're not having yeah, that. Oops, we're, <laughs> we're missing artifacts. We're leaving out your vi- – oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> the LG works with LG stuff, and it works great, and I don't miss it. I, I, I don't have a phantom limb like an amputee, <laughs> like Steve Jobs is not on my back or anything. So I don't miss it. I love their products. I think they do great products. But 
you got to be in their cult. And I just finally gave up. And I said, I can't live without 64 gigs of memory. Bastards. <laughs> What's coming up today on John and Ken's show? Eric Garcetti is fooling nobody. Uh, there's He's got a political action committee. He's got an exploratory committee. He's not fooling anybody. He is going to run in the primary for president of the United States, which... Say it isn't so. It's, and we're going to talk with John Thomas around 2.30... But there are some bright sides. Uh, we'd be rid of him, A. Uh, he'd be the first female president, B. Oh, damn. And so uh, we'll, we'll talk with John Thomas about uh, Yoga Pants uh, running for president. And then finally we can have Mayor Sabo, uh, who we've, we've all been calling for, the, the right-wing street artist Sabo, that highly offensive guy who's very funny. You actually believe that Eric Garcetti is really going to throw his hat in the ring and actually go through it. Or we're just saying this is an exploratory committee just so we can see how much of a national profile he has. And he's, as we speak, you know, that's all he's done in 2017 is go to your congressional race in Ohio, whatever, and become a, a household name. Uh, th- that is what you do. And also it could not, he, he could not have a better path than a Democratic Congress in 2019 um, and and Trump in by that time single digit approval and uh, except the the real question is who's he gonna who is he gonna battle with the Democrats I think it's Adam Schiff I think he's pr- priming because of his work on the Russia investigation enough people know you mean who his he leaks is now. yeah and yeah. you know how far away we are from his district a, a, a stone take, take a right at Alameda <laughs> you're there and, and you're in Schiffland <laughs> yeah I believe we're in Brad Sherman land here he's another classic piece of work but uh, at yeah Schiff or maybe maybe Bernie again who knows but Garcetti's running that's the only conclusion you can come to. He's texting me as we speak. <laughs> Brian Seuss is coming up next. And for John and Ken, I'm out of here. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.